welcome back to A Need to Read, you absolute legend. As always is Ed Cunningham here. I never say my name, but that is who I am. And A Need to Read is bringing you a good episode this week with Jeff Hayden, the author of The Motivation Myth. It's a book that I've spoken about before on the podcast and I selected for the book club. I was very pleased that I did. It has inspired me to start writing my book and get a plan in place to finish the job that I want to get finished. And it will do the same for you. Even if you don't buy the book and read the book, listening to this podcast will be more than enough for you. But look, if you want to, I'm always going to tell you to read books. So the motivation myth, go and buy it. It's great. But before we get started, let's just jump in to the sponsors of the podcast. Now, the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm so proud that it is because BetterHelp provide an online therapy service to millions of people around the world. Now, online therapy might be a little bit alien for some people. You might want to go and sit in someone's house on their couch and have a chat. But a lot of things are done online at the moment. There was a time not so long ago that kids were going to school online. So online therapy shouldn't be too much of a surprise for you. It is cheaper than face-to-face counselling or your standard face-to-face counselling. It is more accessible than the standard counselling that you'd probably get through your health service because you can be in touch with a therapist within 48 hours. So whether you're feeling sad, depressed or anxious or you're just fed up of the advice that you're getting from your friends about the personal matters in your life, then BetterHelp can be a solution for you. So head to the link in the description, which is betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and you will get 10% off your first month. But should we just get into the episode? I'll kick it off. You legends, enjoy it. I love you all. Welcome to uh, the Need to Read podcast, and thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Of course, you are the author of The Motivation Myth, and you have a website that's a blog, and one of the biggest names on LinkedIn, continuously pumping out articles. Hell of a writer, um, but I'll stop blowing smoke up your ass um, now. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Oh, you are welcome. It It is my pleasure. Anybody that is talking about books is a friend of mine. Perfect. Um, so, of, of course, that's how it was brought. You, as a person, were brought to my attention is is through your book. And, of course, I, I happen to really like the book, which is why I, I reached out to you. Um, but for people that don't know Jeff Hayden or where you're from or what you do, would you mind doing that awful thing of doing a bit of an introduction of, of how, you, how you came to write a book and how you came to be where you are today? Wow, that is awful. I've, de- I've decided that people that enjoy introducing themselves there's something wrong with them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I went to college. I worked my way through college. I worked in manufacturing. I liked manufacturing, oddly enough. And so when I graduated, I, I went out to interview for jobs and they were all with like 40 year old men in cubicles, which now I would love to be a 40 year old man. But, you know, back then <laughs> I, I'm holding my fingers up as if it's, you know, the cross for a vampire. Um, <laughs> the idea of it was terrible. So the, the manager, the, the HR manager where I was working said, hey, a, a plant has just opened up in town. It's a Fortune 500 company. They're the world's largest commercial printers. If you'd like manufacturing, but you want to be able to work your way up into higher positions, this is a perfect place for you to go. 
So I did. So I started on the shop floor and I was the stereotypical college boy, which I actually thought was an advantage because people tend to assume that you won't work hard and that you won't stick with it and you won't be yeah. diligent. And so actually by proving them wrong, that set me apart, oddly enough. Um, so long story short, I, my goal was to run a plant and I worked my way up through a variety of rungs of the ladder and got to have all sorts of great experiences. And it was a wonderful place to learn and grow and develop all sorts of skills and reached my goal. And about two years into it, thought, oh, my gosh, I do not want to do this for the rest of my life, <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate in a way because I had spent 20 years on that path. But then it's also a good thing that maybe we'll talk about later because it allowed me to become a serial achiever. Um, and so I. I looked around and thought, what else would I like to do? And, and I like to say that I was just discussing my problem. My wife would say I was whining. Um, and she finally said, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I really think I would like to be a writer, but I had no background. No, that's not what I went to school for. I'd never written anything other than things for work. So I don't know why I thought that that would be a good path for me. Um, and so I just started picking up little freelance jobs on the side from some of the sites like it's now called Upwork, but it was Elance at the time. Yeah. And just kind of dipping my toe into it, I still had my job because I think one of the one of the most foolish things that people do when they decide to start their own business is think that they have to go all in, with no safety net, you know, quit their job, go out and do something else because you still have to make a living. And you don't yeah. even know you're going to like what it is that you do. And you don't even know if you're going to be good enough at it to make a living at it. So I did the yeah. nights and weekends thing on my own, on my own project realized that I could get somewhere, realized that there were possibilities. And so finally decided to do that full time. So I went from leadership, management, operations, stuff like that, to writing, speaking um, and other things. Yeah. And it actually, the dots do connect, oddly enough, because most of what I write and talk about is management, leadership, operations, entrepreneurship. So all of the experience that I had just informed what I do today. It's just in a different way. And so I will shut up after this, but when people ask me about, you know, they say, hey, I would really like to do this, but I don't really have my plan figured out and I, I need for it to work for the rest of my life. And I would say, forget that because there's no way to know what you will want to do 30 years from now or what will actually be a valuable skill 30 years from now. But everything you do now, even if you quote unquote abandon it, to go do something else, the things that you learned during that time inform what you do later and you carry it all with you. And if nothing else, you know how to learn, how to advance, how to gain skill. You understand what it is to be a beginner and you know that there is a path from beginner to some level of expertise. And that knowledge gives you the confidence to say, you know what, I don't know how to do this, but I've done hard things before. Yeah. <laughs> and I how to do hard things and I will figure it out because I can persist and I can work hard and I can keep my head down and I can do the work. So um, I know oftentimes people ask me to kind of sum up what we've talked about and I think I just did. <laughs> so yeah. I got there a little early. Um, but, but that is the, the story of your life is whatever you write it out to be, but it all does connect because we find ways to build on the things that we've learned and done and apply them to whatever comes next. So you don't have to have this master plan. You just have yeah. to have something you really want to try to do and be willing to try to do it. Yeah. How, how important do you think that first win is then for people? Because you say like you, you reached what you thought your dream was within two years. And then you're like, well, I can do this. 
I'll try something else. And like you say, you win at one thing, it kind of makes you think, oh, maybe I can, I can do it elsewhere. So for people in their first environment of maybe it's a competitive environment with work or their first project, is that the first and most important win they'll ever make, do you think? You know, that's, that's, a, really, that's a really smart question. Um, and I think there's two answers to that. Um, people tend to look at the first big win as the important one. But sometimes it takes a long time to get to that first big win. And if we're talking about motivation, waiting until that first big win to feel some sort of validation or satisfaction or fulfillment, it's a long wait. And it makes it hard to stay the course. So there's two answers to that. The first big win is huge in whatever it may be. And it doesn't have to be professionally. It can be that you had a fitness goal that you achieved. It can, I don't care. But just mm-hmm. knowing that you can do something hard matters. But if you have a fairly big goal that will take time to accomplish, the way to get past that whole gap of, wow, it's going to take me a long time to get the first big win is to create a process where you can have really little wins, where even the win is just the fact that today I did what I set out to do. It doesn't mean you had to improve. It doesn't mean that you had to have some grand success. But if your goal, I don't know, say you're in sales, we'll, we'll use something professional. You're in sales and your goal every day is to make 10 cold calls and follow up with five current customers. I'm making this yeah. up. Obviously. If you make your 10 cold calls and you give each one your best and you follow up with five current customers and you give that transaction your best, then you have set out, you have done what you set out to do and you are successful. You may not have achieved some bigger success like revenue or whatever else it is, but you did what you set out to do. And that feels good. Think about some of your worst days. It's when you had a plan or you had some things you wanted to do. And at the end of the day, you look around and say, well, I didn't do any of that. And it feels terrible, you know, because you feel kind of like, okay, that sucks. That was, I was a slacker today. But if you get to the end of the day and you worked hard and did what you set out to do, that at least lets you sit down and go, ah, and think, you know what? It was a good day because I did what I set out to do. And I think that's something that people miss out on. They forget that just doing your plan is success in itself. As long as it is a plan and a routine that is designed to get you to where you want to be someday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I try and incorporate as many little things onto my to-do list that people would usually miss off just to make sure that I feel that sense of achievement, even if it's just like, right, walking the dog, something I would do anyway. I'll put that on my to-do list so I can tick it off because it's just important to get those ticks in. Or I actually, no, use it. I know people that will put things on their list that they already did, just so that <laughs> they can write the line for it. And if I that, like that. gets you a sense of momentum, then great. Because once you get going, then it feels good to be ticking things off, and you get the next one, you get the next one, and that whole momentum thing is really huge. So, you know, if, if you can knock off one thing then it's really easy to move on to the next one. But if you've got a list of 10 and you haven't done any, the list seems too daunting and sometimes you yeah. won't even start. Yeah, you just shut that book and you just forget that you ever even wrote a to-do list ever in your whole entire life. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's so easy to like fall off the wagon. And, and one of the main things that after reading your book or sort of whilst reading your book, I incorporated into my life was writing. Because I think like you said, you just, you just wanted to be a writer. And I right. also for a reason unbeknown to me, want to be a writer. Whilst I was reading your book, I was like, I'm kidding myself here. Like, I want to be a writer. I'm not doing anything about it. So I just 
set a goal, 500 words a day. And I've just stuck to that every single day. And that's been for almost a month now um, that I'm doing that. And those small successes of just knowing that I'm sticking to the process. I haven't sold any books. I haven't got a deal. I haven't got anything like that, but I'm just writing it. And that is enough of a win for me. And it kind of takes the pressure off of the glory side of it as well, which, which is super, super important. At, at what stage? So if I can interrupt you, because that raises, yeah, of course. You're, you're raising a really good point. It's let's use uh, running a marathon. As an example, there are lots of people that have, I would like to run a marathon on their, you know, someday bucket list. Yeah. That's great to want to do that. But what you really have to want is to go out every day and run the three miles or the five miles or the seven or whatever it is on your plan. That's the part you have to want because it's easy to want. I want to finish a marathon. It's not easy to want the day to day, but like you're doing, you just said, okay, I want to be a writer. That means you have to want to sit down and write. <laughs> and so mm. you've set yourself a goal. You put out the 500 words. And if you're doing that, you are a writer. You may not be published. You may not be whatever else, but you are writing and you are a writer and you'll gain skill and you'll gain confidence and you'll gain ability. You don't go from zero to whatever overnight. And so right. that raises a really good point is that if you want to do something, the reason you're not doing it is because you're not doing it which I know sounds really trite, but yeah. you have to start with the actual doing and you have to want to do the thing that gets you there, not yeah. the there. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and the question I was going to ask that was, is when did that realization come to you that you needed to set a process in? Um, I've always kind of been like that. That that's partly a, a manufacturing background thing because you know, processes are everything in manufacturing and process yeah. improvement is everything in manufacturing. So I'm really good. I'm mean, really used to looking at things and saying, okay, here's what we have. Here's what we need to be doing. How do we make that work? And it tends to just be chipping away and grinding and grinding and grinding. I'm not particularly smart and I'm not particularly talented. I, I the, the phrase I use to describe myself usually is that I'm decidedly average in all things. But yeah. what I can do is put my head down and I can just grind away. And that's yeah. a whole lot of success in any field is just that willingness to sit there and grind away because you, if you're thoughtful about it, then you will improve. Now, you know, yeah. if you, if you go out, if you want to run the marathon, I'll use that example again. And you go out and you run a mile today and you run a mile tomorrow and you run a mile the next day and you're just kind of mindlessly doing it. And you're not saying, okay, can I be more efficient with my stride? Can I go a little faster today? Can I go a little longer today? If you're not trying to improve in the, in the middle of it, then you're not going to get anywhere. So grinding isn't just slavishly, mindlessly, day after day doing the same thing. You have to be trying to improve. But if you can grind away, you can do all sorts of stuff. And you may not be Stephen King, for instance, yeah. but you can be really good at what you do and you can be a really good you at what you do, but you have to yeah. develop that. And that's the, the whole grind thing. So I, I've, to answer your question, I've always kind of had that. And then I just realized that humility is part of it too, because I, I wanted to be successful as a writer, but I knew nobody had heard of me. I had nothing yeah. to say that I was successful. I had nothing. So you have to start somewhere. And so mm-hmm. the only way to start somewhere is to do the stuff at the bottom and to do it as well as you can. Um, who is it? There's a, 
there's a, a race car driver in the United States. His name's Kyle Bush. And I asked him one time his like philosophy of success. And he said, you know, you just, you just, wherever you start, you just have to try to win at whatever level you're at. So if you're at the very, if you're at some little local short track somewhere, you got to be the best you can be there. That will allow you to move up. And then you got to try to be the best one there. You can't go from the, from me to Stephen King, which I'll never yeah. get to overnight, but you can be the best you know, at whatever level you're on. And that's really your goal. And so I, that was the, probably the most long-winded answer in the world. But I, I realized that all I could do was the best I could do at the level I had currently achieved and then try to slowly ratchet myself up so that someday I would get to somewhere that I would like to be. Yeah, of course. I really like that because it, it, it saves, like, like someone like me, it saves me trying to compete with Joe Rogan because I can't. Like right. there's, there's no way I can, I can reach that level or, or be at that point right now. Who knows and when I'm 50. Is that as, your, as your benchmark of success. And that's the only success that you think is yeah. there. Well, you're never going to, then you're going to quit. You yeah. could come better than Joe Rogan, but you're going to quit along the way. If you think that the only success is Joe Rogan level success. It, yeah. That just yeah. doesn't work that way. And, and not necessarily do you even want that because you're not, you're in a different right. field. So. Yeah, yeah, completely. And like, I've never been to Texas. I don't even know if it's nice. Um, but there was one thing um, you've said, and I've kind of, I've done this without really thinking about it, is finding a way to win or finding a way to be your best. So like for me, I'm in the book space. There is Bookstagram. That's where essentially a bunch of mostly females will take lovely pictures of books and write long, lovely reviews about them to get people's interest. Whereas for me, I realized I cannot be bothered to take pictures of books next to flowers or with my dog. I can't be bothered to write a lengthy review that really all I want to say to someone is, hey, this book will get your ass into gear. You should read it. So I was like, well, how can I be the best in my field? And I was like, well, don't take any pictures of books. Don't write long winded reviews. Just make it on a Canva or something like that put the logo on it and just tell people why they should read it. And it seems to have, have worked pretty well. And I think a lot of people struggle in whatever their niche is to look at what the top person is doing and be like, right, well, how can I do that? And so, well, you don't need to do that. You have to sort of carve, carve your own path out of it. Um, with, with your writing, you, you write a lot, right? When, when you first, first started. And I still do. Yeah. <laughs> Is it still an, an everyday thing for you? Because obviously I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say it for the people is that they're in the book. You talk about when you first started writing, you were like, right, I am not going to write the best articles right away, but I will write an article every single day, which will get my views up, which will, which will get you paid more. Are you, are you still sort of sticking to that kind of format? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. You, there is no, you know, output in any field is everything. That doesn't mean that you try to sacrifice quality for just, let me just slam out a bunch of stuff. There is a balance there, but then, you know, there's also a balance of is 98% good, good enough. And oftentimes, depending on what it is I'm writing, the answer to that is yes. And so chasing that extra 2% is actually an inefficient use of my time, especially if it's not something that anyone will notice. Um, so yeah, I, I still do that. That's what I do. And it's my, I, I don't, I can't imagine not doing that, which is kind of what happens when you have a process and you stick with it and then you realize it works and 
you know, at some point it just becomes part of who you are, which is, that's another thing that I think people miss out on early on when you try to do something new and you have a process to do it, you feel like an imposter of sorts. I'm going to use marathon example. Again, if you decide you want to run one and you've never run. And so you got to start to train, you may be running a mile, but you do not feel like a runner. (laughs) You feel like a creaky, whatever, out of shape, you know, struggling kind of person. And you don't feel like a runner. And then when you see someone who is a runner go by, you think, okay, that we're doing two completely separate things. And you don't feel part of even the community. And in fact, you feel like an outsider to it. But Mm -hmm. as you work your way along and you, you do something enough, you become that thing in your mind. You know, you yeah. like right now, you probably feel much more like a writer than you did before you started doing 500 words a day. Yeah. You become sure. that. That's part of your identity. And when you can do something enough where it becomes even a small part of your identity, it's much easier to keep doing it because that's who you are. The example yeah. I for people that have kids is I, I always say, do you have, when you wake up in the morning, do you have to think to yourself, Oh yeah, today I need to make sure I take care of my kids. No, you don't think that because you're a parent. So you just do that. And so you've reached the point probably where now in your mind, you may not be Stephen King, but you're a writer. And yeah. so you write because that's yeah. who you are. And it would feel a little weird not to do that. And so People talk a lot about establishing habits and how long it takes, but the best habits are ones that no longer are things that you have to actually think about because you have become that person and you don't have to be a star and you don't have to be at the top of any field. You just have to feel like, Hey, this is what I do. And I'm, I'm one of those people. And this is part of my identity. So the process thing, if you can stick with it is really important. And that's, that's why with people that say, Hey, I want to try something new but it's going to be really hard. And I always say you have to give yourself at least a week and a half for two weeks. You have to commit to saying, I will do this for let's say two weeks, no matter what, even if the second day you feel like it's going horribly and you're never going to get anywhere and whatever else, because you will suck the first little while, there's no way around it. But if you get to the end of the two weeks, you will have made some improvements. You will have gotten a little bit better. You will feel a little better about what you're doing. And that will give you the motivation to keep going because, you know, success makes us feel good. We, uh, we like to do the things that we're good at. And so if yeah. you can get a little better at something, it's much easier to keep going with that, but you have to give yourself two weeks. And if it's something that you can't commit to doing for two weeks, then you really don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't do it for, if you can't write 500 words, if you say you want to be a writer and you can't write 500 words a day for two weeks, if you can't commit to that, then you really don't want to be a writer because you want mm-hmm. the fame and glory and whatever comes with being a quote unquote writer, but you don't want to actually write. Yeah. So, so that's that. I, I don't know how I got to that. And I'm sorry. I kind of went in a Southern. Yeah, no, no, it's good. <laughs> But that that is a the two week rule is a really important one. And what's also cool about it is if you get to the end of the two weeks and you say, you know what, I didn't get much better and I actually don't really like this. Well, that's awesome because you say to yourself, I gave it a try. It had always been on my list. It turns out that's really not something I'm interested in after all. And you can throw it away and go to something that maybe you will find is something that's gratifying and fulfilling and rewarding and all those other things. People get so hung up on, I've got these 15 things that I want to be and do, but they never try any of them. And so there are all these nagging, 
you know, oh, I should be trying this and I should be trying that. But yeah. if you can weed those out, your life is actually better because you have room to focus on the things that you actually do have time to do. Yeah, for sure. I like that. It's, it, it kind of makes me think about there's so many people out there who are looking for their purpose and they, they want to know what their purpose is, but they are sort of stuck and, and paralyzed by the thought that they have to have some sort of purpose that is going to be a calling to them. And I, I just sort of, it makes me think if, if people just applied that two week rule, if they just did that for a year, they tried out 26 different things over that year. Sure as shit. Like if you throw enough shit, well, some will stick. Something. Purpose, always, purpose finds you is mm. I really believe you. Some people are lucky enough that they get that little lightning bolt of, Oh my gosh, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. This is going to be the rest of my life. I don't know anybody like that, but I'm sure they are out there. Purpose usually is I'm interested in something. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to put some effort into it. Hmm. This is kind of fun. This is kind of rewarding. I like doing this. I get things from it. Maybe I help other people. Whatever it is that makes you feel good about yourself, the process of doing it and improving and get, getting better at it allows you to find that purpose within it. But if you have to sit there and just dream up what your purpose is going to be without ever having giving something a go, yeah, you're never going to come to it because there's no way to know because you haven't actually tried. So the, the key to it is just to pick something that you're interested in and that you think you might like to do. And then, find someone who can kind of map out a process to help you get going. Yeah. And then, I mean, yours was simple. You, I'm sure somewhere you saw, well, like Stephen King does 2000 words a day since we're talking yeah. about, writing. that's his thing. So I'm sure you found somewhere that, you know, most writers have a target every day that they try to hit. And you said, okay, I'm going to create my own target. Well, you borrowed a routine of mm. a perfectly good routine. It's a perfectly good wheel that didn't need to be reinvented. You borrowed that and said, okay, I'm going to apply this because this works for people. So I'm going to try. And then that allowed you to explore it and figure out what's there. So something you're interested in, find a process that tends to work for people. Don't try to modify the process right away and say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm special and I'm bespoke and I'm an individual. So it has to be only unique to me. 99% of who we are as people is the same. There's very small differences. Stick to that process. You'll get to the other end and you'll find out whether that's something that you really are interested in continuing to to pursue. And then someday it may become your purpose, but you will find it through application, not through sitting around and introspecting and dreaming and, and trying to think of what it might be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that that was one of the, the unfortunate truths in in your book and, and pretty much all, books in the non-fiction self-help industry that it's just that you have to kind of fucking work hard at something and you have to try out a few different things and no matter how many times i've read it over the last couple of years i'm always like huh, yeah sure i'm different though and i and i can't be the only one that thinks of that and, it, and it's only been recently that i've realized that i i am no different to anyone else and that if i do want to sort of create a successful fulfilling life like i, I have to work hard at that and a lot of people just are kind of waiting, waiting for it to come to them. And I'm just going to go back on purpose. I don't know if you would have read this book, um, but The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho is, is a book I yep. tell I, I tell people to read that if they're looking for their purpose, because it's just a book where obviously the young shepherd boy wants to do one thing, goes and follows his dream, 
things fuck up for him along the way. He doesn't panic too much. He goes with it, tries out something different, tries out something new, gets to the end goal. He's like, oh, not really that bothered about this, then goes back. And it's and it's such a simple sort of message, but sometimes I'll, I'll tell people to read it. They're like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't get that message." Because <laughs> I just think people don't want to hear what they don't want to hear, <laughs> um, yeah, it's and it's a shame. Is on the purpose discussion, is that it's tempting and very easy to want a guarantee that there will be some level of success before mm. you start off on that path. You know, because otherwise you'll have wasted your time and time is finite. And, you know, so th- there's this idea that, OK, I, I have to know that this is going to work. I, I used mm-hmm. to when I when I worked in manufacturing, people would come to me and say, you know, I'm trying to get promoted, but, you know, I haven't gotten promoted. What should I do? And I said, well, you know, you need to work like you already have that job. You can't wait until you have the job to work harder <laughs> or you can't mm-hmm. wait. Till you have the job to show that you have some leadership potential. Or if you want that job show people at your level that you are capable of that job. And then people are going to give you the job. And they're like, well, I'm not going to work harder until I get to promotion. It's like, well, then it's not going to work. So that whole idea of you need a guarantee of success or, and the other thing I think that holds people back is, um, and he's a buddy of mine, so it's okay. And I've told him this to his face, (laughs) but um, Tim Ferriss and in the, his old message used to be that there was ways to hack your way to some success. You know, he would do yeah. all little hacky things and they were all, I'm not saying any of it was bad, but it gave the impression that you could sit around and wait until you found that one clever little move that would allow you to short shortcut all these other steps and bam, you know, figured mm-hmm. it out, did it in 10 minutes it's all good. And so people are kind of waiting for that way to hack their way to some success instead of realizing that the only hack is to sit down and work hard. And, you know, Tim's first book was the first, was the four hour work week. And he's the first now to admit that the four hours was just a feeling, you know, it's like, okay, I only feel like I'm working four hours. When I first met him, he was just starting to publicize the book and it hadn't hit the bestseller list or anything. And he was a hardworking individual. He was promoting that thing nonstop, which yeah. is full credit to him. So he wasn't working four hours. Um, yeah. It's the feeling. So I, I went around the barn again, and I'm sorry for that, but you can't hack your way and you can't assume that there's a guarantee of success. But if you work hard, you know that you will learn some things. You know, you'll develop some skills. You might meet some new people. You might make new connections. There are all kinds of positives that can happen, even if you don't get to that other end of the scale. You've, yeah. me aside, because I'm not cool, but you've talked to some cool people in the process of doing your podcast. That is a, a neat form of success, regardless of whether you ever become Joe Rogan or not. Because the conversations, I'm sure, were fun for you and you learned stuff and you met some cool people. And there are all kinds of different types of success along the path. And so if you only think Mm -hmm. of the one end goal as the only success that matters, you miss out on a whole lot of cool stuff. Yeah, well, it's very humble of you to say, but um, I was very, very excited when I when I found the email back from you in my mailbox. So don't okay. tell you what I think you're cool. (laughs) Nice. So. There's, there's one question that I've, I've kind of been wanting to ask you, and I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to have a, a bit to say about this, but what, what do you think the issues are in the current self-help and motivation industries? 
Hmm. Um, I think there's a there's a definite bias against the idea that things are hard and that things don't always work out even if you try and that there is one blueprint that works for everybody and that somehow just finding this thing inside you that you haven't tapped into will suddenly open the world up to you and I think you find it through effort and application and hard work and some success and some failure and all of that stuff. You don't find it, I'm going to use the word again, but you don't find it through introspection and meditation and quiet long walks in the countryside, you know, where you center yourself and find that special thing. The, it always comes out of the, the hard work side and, you know, confidence. I, I would say that, a lot of the self-help stuff tends to be rah, rah, go get them. You can do it, you know, find that confidence. Confidence doesn't come from some feeling that you generate. Confidence is built by success. Yeah. You, know, you When you do something well and you succeed, you feel more confident, which is, I know, a catch-22 because it's hard to do something hard and succeed when you don't feel confident because it's always easier yeah. when you're confident. Um but confidence comes from success, whatever it may be. The cool thing is that that confidence can come from a different field than you're in. So mm. clearly based on our conversation, you've gotten really good at what you're doing here. So mm. you should feel confident Thanks. about that, but then you can apply that to other things that you try because you can be like, okay, well, I've never done that, but I've done this and I've learned how to do this and I've gotten pretty good at it. And so I can do that. And yeah. so that feeling of confidence comes from building on small successes that you've had along the way, but that comes from actually doing the work and that comes from effort and application and doing a daily grind kind of a thing. And so that's really what's missing is the idea that it, it isn't, it's inside you, but you have to tap into it by doing external things that will then create the feelings inside you that you are searching for. I found that with like ukulele in the last year. I picked up a ukulele last year, never thinking I was musical and oh, wow. learned it off YouTube and it was great. And I was like, well, that's quite a simple skill. And then obviously when I was forced into isolation recently, I just bought some juggling balls with Amazon. I was like, well, it's, it's a skill. And I never thought I'd be able to juggle. Now I can juggle absolutely fine. And it's now I'm like, okay, well, what other skills can I learn? And it's such a good doing something, probably picking something quite simple and small that is skill-based to learn will be a great gateway drug into learning a bigger skill. Um, <laughs> and, and I just, I just, I think it's, it's really important in, in that sense. Um, well, just what, to what's funny is that what you're doing is, you know, cause we go to school and we think about learning that way, but what you're doing with each one of those is you're learning how to learn and you're mm. learning to learn and, you know, you'll get better at learning new things because you have learned how to learn for yourself and you keep that skill sharp. So that's really yeah. cool. Although yeah, I don't think ukulele is a simple skill. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, there's pretty much only four chords in every single song on the ukulele. So it's, it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> and it, that's, that's a good way to cheat the world is always pick the easiest skill and then, and then it'll be fine. <laughs> um, there was... Apart in the book, I know you said not not speak about the book too much, but it's talking about starting um, starting a business as that was like the second sort of an, an important thing for you is that, that people have have their own thing. And I think Jordan Peterson said it in his recent book about 
picking one thing in life and working relentlessly hard at that. And you obviously have have got a business of your own. I think it's on, on your website. It's, yeah. it's a business. How important do you think it is for people to have their own thing, their business, their sort of side hustle project thing that they work on? I don't think it's necessary for everyone, but I I think in general that it is a really, if nothing else, it's a really fun outlet that allows you to explore something else that you're probably not allowed to explore at whatever your day job is. And I, I really, you know, I, I love the idea of focusing and, and trying to be really, really good at one thing, but I don't think most people are built that way. And I, I think it's, you know, it's fun to be this, whatever this is, and this, and this, and maybe this too. And so, and then the other thing it does is, you know, jobs are, I'm I'm old enough that I grew up in a time where the, the paradigm was that you tried to get a job with a big company, because then you knew you'd be there until you retired and all was well, and you just and you'd be fine. <clears throat> that is clearly not the case now. And both because companies may not keep you, but also because people look around and say, okay, this worked for me for the last three years, but it's really not working for me that well now. And that's a scary moment when you decide I don't want to work here anymore, but what else am I going to do? And I've got to find something else. And so if you have that side thing, then not only do you have a little bit of buffer that may help you out, but you've also probably gained some skills that you wouldn't have gained. You've made some connections that you wouldn't have people that you wouldn't have connected yeah. with. You've picked up a few things and added them to your toolkit that even if that doesn't become your full-time way of making money, it does help you in the pursuit of something else that you would like to do. And so yeah. I think there's, I, I, I don't know. If you think, uh, sorry, I just stammered a bunch. Um, no, sorry. If you think about me time, you know, I don't, do you have that expression there where it's like, you know, I need some me time? Yeah. 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 So me time, the most fulfilling me time is when you use it for something that actually is fulfilling and that makes you feel good about yourself. You know, me time sitting on the couch, watching the crown for 10 hours, good a show as it was. um, You don't really wake up the next day feeling like, wow, you know, that was a really good day. Yeah. (laughs) got somewhere usually the best me time is when you're doing something that you feel like takes you somewhere that you would like to go whether in the Mm -hmm. moment or or later on and so having some kind of little side hustle or side thing you do or some project you're working on or whatever it is it gives you a an extra sense of purpose small as it may be yeah but it does give you a little extra sense of purpose it gives a little more meaning to your life it gives you some momentum and something to be working towards and it is always fun to feel like you are working towards something and sometimes yeah. in your job your full-time job you may just feel like you're hamster wheeling and every day is the same and what am i working towards and yes i'm getting paid but it's really not taking me anywhere else and so if you have something on the side that you feel like is taking you somewhere else however small that journey may be then that's a really cool thing so yeah, yeah. i'm I'm a, I'm a fan of that. It doesn't have to be massive and exciting and you don't have to hope that someday your company is going to be a unicorn or anything else. If it makes yeah. you feel good and it's fulfilling and it makes you a little bit of money and it lets you learn some things that you wouldn't have learned, then that's a pretty darn good outcome in itself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people nowadays are, are so obsessed with the idea that if they're doing something, it has to be great. 
or it has to be good that they're making a load of money to seem that it's worthwhile but they forget that say someone wants to do some like crafts and sell prints of that they feel they have to be selling thousands of prints per month when really what they could do is they could spend their five hours on Saturday painting and then just put the prints up for sale and then that's your job done is whether people like it take it whether they give a shit about it that's it's out of your hands it's it's the creating that I think is is a beautiful side of life and obviously you're you're an artist you're a writer you know that like creating stuff and carving words out of thin air like it's it's cool it's fun and and you do feel fulfilled yeah and you raise a good point um back when i was first trying to write i I had a really good job before i started doing that and so replacing that income was a challenge and so the period where i was still building clientele and building stuff where i'd also i'd been interested in photography for a long time and so so i had a business but i had a side hustle of sorts even though i already had a business and i was doing wedding photography and yeah got really good at it and it was really lucrative and people would say you know what are you doing this weekend and I said oh I've got I'm doing a wedding and they're like what are you talking about I was like you know you're a writer I was like I know but you know this weekend I'm photographing a wedding you do that I was like yeah and so the implication was I must not be very good at my primary thing because I was doing some secondary thing you know people, people assume that if you've got two things you're probably not very good at either one of them and you're just trying to make do. And so I think people worry sometimes that if, you know, I'm doing this, but I also like art and I want to paint on the side that if I do that, people are going to say, Oh, well, she's trying to paint because, you know, she's not very good at her day job and she's worried she's going to lose a job, whatever it may be. So there's this, Mm -hmm. there's this stigma against having multiple things that you do because there's some implication that you're not a superstar at any of them. But it is possible yeah. to be really good at several things if you are working at it and applying yourself. And so if you're a person out there that that bothers you thinking, OK, people are going to think it's silly that I, you know, run this business. But then I sell my paintings at craft fairs on Saturday. Well, get over yeah. that, because if it's fun and you enjoy it, cool. And there are a lot of people that are actually going to look and say, you know, I wish I had the guts to do that because I really would like to do something like that, but I'm afraid of what people think. And if you go through your life, I struggle with this. So I'm about to pronounce something that I struggle with on a daily basis. But if you go through your life worried about what people will think, you're going to live their lives and you're going to look back and say, you know, there's a lot of stuff I wanted to do and I never got to do. And I think your biggest regrets are always the things you didn't do because you can fix things you did do if they go wrong. You can overcome them. You can learn from them, but stuff that you didn't do, you can't fix it. You can't do anything about it other than sit there and regret that. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I, I feel I feel inspired now. In upon saying that, I'm thinking, well, what else can I add into my life? And inspiration is actually something that I wanted to talk to you about as as well. Is um inspiration and motivation, of course, both of those are things that. I would probably say that you have to go and find yourself. What what is the difference for you in inspiration and motivation? Because having you having said that to me just then, I could be like, right, I feel motivated on that that fifteen minute peak, or I'll do some fifteen minutes, then it will drop off and it's it's not complete. But 
I'm trying to word this question in it and I'm doing a terrible job of it. Um, but, but what would you say is the sort of main difference between inspiration and motivation and how they work together? Um, so I would say that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> inspiration to me is an idea. It's not motivation at all. So when, when we talk about inspiring people, that's different. You know, if I can inspire you to do something, that means that I have compelled you. Somehow I've touched something inside you that says, okay, I want to go and do that. So that's cool. Mm. But inspiration personally, like from inside yourself, to me, that's just an idea. That's like if you sat there and thought, you know, I should turn these podcasts into, I don't know, whatever it may be, a video series or something else or a collection that someday will become a book or whatever else it is. <clears throat> that's yeah. an inspiration. So that's an idea. The motivation to do it comes from you saying, okay, starting tomorrow, I'm going to do X and Y and Z to help me start building whatever that inspiration idea is so that I will get there. And then as you start to do that, that gives you the motivation to keep going because you're seeing some success and you're seeing some progress and you're seeing that and you're creating that cool little effort, success, motivation, feedback loop. So to me, the inspiration on a personal side is just, I had this idea. The motivation side is I get the impetus inside myself to keep going because I am doing it and I'm seeing these little salt, small successes and I am celebrating the fact that I am plugging along and trying to get there. Um, and so, wow, that's, that's a good question now. And I'm going to take it one more place. So mm -hmm. sometimes people look for people to inspire them. You know, you'll, you know, watch videos or motivational speakers or whoever you're, or some, yeah, some, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've, we're actually buddies too. And I took a shot at him. And people, oh, but he's cool with that. Um, he's, <laughs> Way bigger than me, so he does not care. Uh, <laughs> um, but <clears throat> so that never works for very long. You you said something really smart there, where you said, "Okay, I just inspired you, and for about fifteen minutes, you're going to be on that little high, and then it's going to go away." And that is how that always works, because other people can't touch something inside you that is lasting, they can only kind of get you going. So if you do read or hear something that's inspiring and you think, oh my gosh, I want to do that right away, instead of dreaming and thinking about what success is going to look like and how it's going to feel to be at the other end of this long journey, instead sit down and write down, this is what I want to do and write down some ways that you are actually going to do that. And then create a plan from that and start from there. So use your inspiration to create your action items in your plan and then commit to the two weeks that we talked about and get going. Because that's the only way to turn that inspiration into some kind of personal motivation that will carry you forward. Uh, there's a study that shows that <clears throat> it doesn't really relate to this, but in a way it does. There's a study that shows that if you say you have a goal and you it's a hard one. And you go to a party or you're at a dinner, you're at dinner with friends or something. And you tell people, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I don't know, hike across England. Yeah. That's your goal. And I mean, it's going to be so fun. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to see that. and I'm going to do whatever. Uh, research shows that <clears throat> the process of you talking about what success looks like means you are much less likely to ever actually go and try to do that thing because you got the buzz from picturing yourself there. 
And picturing yourself there makes it much less likely that you will ever actually try to go there. So the better way to do that, if you want what we call accountability buddies, you know, you want people you have to check in with, whatever. The way to do that is to not have them say, hey, did you walk across England yet? The the way to do that is to have a process you're going to do to get ready for that and then say, hey, every week, get with me. This week, I'm supposed to do X and Y and Z. Call me on Sunday and make sure I did. So I'll so you feel that peer pressure. Have them hold yeah. you to the process, not to the end goal. Um, and so the same thing is true for yourself. If you get inspired by somebody, write down what it is you want to do, write down how you're going to do it. And then use that as your accountability buddy for, okay, this is the process of how I'm going to do that. And even if you're just checking in with yourself, now you at least know what you want to do and then give yourself. So I know that was really long winded, but inspiration is to me an idea. If it's personal, if it comes from outside, it only works if you create a process and then you commit to the two week thing and then you give it a go and then it will become motivation through success. Yeah, of course, but acting acting fast then by the sounds of it. So like, let's say you've, you've inspired me there. After this, I'm going to have to get a process in place, find out what it is, use that high and sort of surf it and, and write down the process. Yeah, nice. That's, that's, high creates some really cool action, but we, mm. our bias tends to be to take the high and dream about what it will be like to do it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's fun. It's like thinking about winning the lottery. You know, people can sit around and think about winning the lottery all the time, but, and that's fun, but the real fun is actually doing the things that get you to the thing that you wanted to do, because then you get to stand there and look in the mirror and say, yeah, I actually did that as opposed to, boy, sure would have been fun. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you don't have to lay on your deathbed with all all those regrets. Um, It's, uh, I'm just, I'm conscious of time now, Jeff, and I, I, have pretty much gone through everything that I needed to, but at the, at the start of your book, you spoke about you through the process of writing the book, you went and spoke to a whole bunch of people. And, and whilst we're on the subject of inspiration, who, who has been one of the most inspiring people that you've sort of met throughout your work in, in the writing world? You know, I, wow, this is going to sound like a cop out, but I promise it's a good answer. Um, I hope so. Um, I, there are a lot of people that I could name and they're all really cool in a different way. But what I, because I, I do because of the nature of what I do, I get to talk to some really successful people in, in a wide variety of fields and it is really fun. And they are all, they all, I, I learn stuff from all of those folks, but what I mainly walk away with, and I think this is probably more empowering than anything else I can say is that every one of them is just like me and you. They have, the only difference is they have worked really, really hard over a long period of time to get really good at one thing that makes them seem special, you know, but, mm. but otherwise they're just like me and you, they just have this yeah. talent that they've developed that they've, you know, cause you know, I'll talk to people and I'll think, wow, he's really good at X. He's kind of dopey. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's yeah. A- you know, he's a genius. We, we always assume that people that achieve some high levels of success in one thing are amazing at everything. And they're not. And in fact, many of them are really flawed in a lot of other things, but they're yeah. really good at that one thing. And so I, the thing I draw from all of those conversations is 
with hard work and effort and just staying the course, pretty much anybody can do really cool things. You may not turn out to be Stephen King. You may not be Kirk Hammett, the Metallica guitarist. You may not be Mark Cuban or Richard Branson or whoever else, but you can do some really, really cool things that you want to do because those other people are not that different from us. They just work really hard. And even the overnight successes, when you scratch a little bit deeper, it's never overnight. (laughs) It just seems that way because they burst onto some public consciousness. And so to me and you, it seems like, oh, wow, that's overnight. But they spent years grinding away and struggling. And every one of them has the maxed out credit cards, eating ramen noodles, sleeping on somebody else's couches story. I mean, they've all got that stuff. Like Ed Sheeran is a good example. He slept on couches and slept at Jamie Foxx's house for a month. And I mean, you don't think of that, but that's part of the process for getting to somewhere really cool as you, everybody struggles. And so that's probably my best answer is that we're all kind of the same. And so if you have something you really want to do, you don't need to look around and say, wow, that person is smarter or more talented or more connected or had better resources or better education or whatever else. In some little degrees, that might be true, but you have stuff that you have that they don't. And the common denominator turns out to be effort and application and working hard and and trying to stay a course. Yeah. I love that. That's really, really powerful. I think that's it's the more sort of successful people you speak to in life, you do kind of realize that. And it's not to take anything away from those people and the image that you build up from them, but it's just that like everyone is a human. Everyone is flawed. Like maybe there are like there are probably a lot of athletes that are super, super successful that could not cook themselves a bacon sandwich. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> and really actually, simple. What you what you said is it doesn't take anything away. I actually think the fact that everybody is is flawed and has their stuff that actually is is even more what's the word i think it's I more know, empowering ad, for them lucky it's even more admirable that yeah. you can be a person who has all these things that maybe you're not very good at and yet you can still rise above those things to achieve something that you really wanted to achieve and so i i it doesn't take anything away from them at all if if they were all perfect then it would kind of be like well of course no wonder you're yeah. really good at that. You're perfect. We're not. But the fact yeah. that you can, can surpass your imperfections, terrible phrase, but we'll go with it, hmm. and reach something, that's actually really inspiring, which we talked about before. But it's admirable and it's empowering because it says they're not any different from me. They just worked hard. And working hard can always be your competitive advantage. It would, yeah. You may not have anything else. But hard work can be your competitive advantage. There's a, I'll end with this. There's a um, America's Cup skipper from years ago. He, his team, it was a, he he was for one of the USA boats and they won. And and I think his quote was, um, "I've never seen where working less hard than the other guys was a winning strategy or something like that." And it's pretty trite. It, it's a better quote than that. His name is Jimmy Spithill. So I've probably screwed up his quote. Um, but it, it is true that that can be your, that is the one thing that you do control is whether you work hard and whether you stay the course. Can't control much else, but you can control the you part. And so yeah. control the you part. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Jeff Hayden, thank you very, very much. Oh, it was I'm my feeling pleasure. so motivated after that conversation. You won't believe it. <laughs> uh, better, you better be writing some things down. And yeah. better, uh, 
you better commit to two weeks. And if you want me to hold you to them, then you got to, you got to send me an email and say, Hey, here's what I'm doing for the next week. Check in with me next week and make sure I did. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, I will. So nice. Well, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for coming on and thank you for your brilliant book. I know you don't want to seem like a sales call, but this, this is a great book and I've already done a review episode on it. So people have already heard about it. Um, but where, where can people find you should they wish to? Um, I write for Inc. Magazine. It's INC, not the tattoo kind. I interviewed yeah. a guy time and he said, wait a minute, you're from Inc.? And he looked at my arms and kind of had me tattoos. So, uh, so it's, uh, it's the leading small business magazine in the U.S. So it's Inc.com and I write for them and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I do connect with people if you ask and I do. It may take me a while, but I do tend to get back to people if they have questions or things like that. Um, so that's it. Well, you heard it from Jeff. If you need to reach him, you can get him on LinkedIn. He does actually reply to everything because that's how I got him on the podcast. What a bloke. I hope you feel inspired and I hope that if you do feel inspired, you take that immediate action that Jeff was talking about because honestly, I can can vouch for it. When you start taking action, you start proving to yourself that you can move in the direction that you want to things start to become a little bit easier with that momentum and you only create momentum with action it doesn't just come out of nowhere but that is it from me i hope you enjoyed it i think you're all absolute legends all the links for everything you need are in the description i won't bore you with any of that have a lovely day whatever you do love you bye